Welcome back to Views from the Hill, Episode 3, a.k.a. Views from My Closet. Yeah, I really don't know where else to record this pod. Uh, the library was booked up. Not a lot, whole lot I can do about that, but you know what? It's all good. Still going to record it no matter what. I'm sitting crisscross applesauce. It's not very comfortable. That's neither here nor there. But the Hogs are 1-0. Took care of the Western Carolina Catamounts, 56-13 in Little Rock. And it, what looked like very dominant fashion. I could watch most of the game. Couldn't watch it in its entirety all the way through because I'd do some wedding stuff. But the Hogs gave you everything that that you should expect to see out of you know a SEC opponent or a SEC team playing against a FCS opponent. We took care of business, and that might seem like a pretty common thing or. You know, something that's pretty understandable of what should happen when an SEC team plays an FCS team. But look what happened when we played Missouri State last year. Yeah, we were down by 10 points going into the fourth quarter. I had to come back and win that game. And that offense was worse than Western Carolina's offense. But regardless, we'll get into it, into a breakdown of offense and defense and kind of my thoughts on the game later on the episode. But Week one of college football did not disappoint. We had some upsets this week. Clemson brought Chad Morris back in the building for for why they did that. I don't know. He's already cursed them. They got curb stomped by Duke last night. LSU got dog walked. Baylor lost. I mean, the talk of the town's Colorado. We'll talk about them in a second. But in this episode, we're going to talk about college football matchups this weekend, college football week two. Got some big-time games on the slate. We'll recap week one, talk a little bit about, like I said earlier, just recapping the Western Carolina game. I won't talk a whole lot about Kent State just because I really don't want to spend a whole lot of time previewing a team that only put up three points last week. And then we'll get into some questions that I put out on my Instagram. Alrighty, so a little preview of the matchups going on in week two of college football. We got game day in Tuscaloosa this weekend, Texas at Alabama. If this game was being played in Austin, I honestly think Texas would win. As much as it pains me to say that, I think they got a chance this year. They got the advantage of quarterback. Grant's going to be in Tuscaloosa, so who knows? It's going to be a really good game. Notre Dame goes to NC State. It's always tough walking into Raleigh. Trying to get a dub in Wolfpack country. Nebraska at Colorado, that'll be a tough game. I could honestly see uh, – obviously, everyone's high on Colorado right now. We'll get to that in just a second. But this kind of reminds me of the Mike Leach and Mississippi State 2020 team that went into Baton Rouge, played LSU, the defending national champions, after LSU had that crazy good team in 2019, arguably the greatest college football team ever assembled. And – during a weird year where it was COVID year, no you know, no capacity crowds, and Mississippi State walked in there and put up like seven hundred yards total offense and beat them. You know, they were on top of the world. They were they went from being unranked to I think ranked fourteenth, and then they were eighteen point favorites against Arkansas at home in Starkville. And we walked in there, Sam Pittman game two of the Pittman era and beat them. Not saying the exact same thing's gonna happen, but this kinda this, the the same picture of that is being painted right now, in my opinion. That could be a really hot take, but that's just my opinion. 
Ole Miss at Tulane, top 25 matchup. It's going to be an interesting game. I can see Ole Miss kind of running away with it, honestly. I think they're going to be too big and too fast for Tulane. I know people are going to be like, oh, well, Tulane beat USC last year. Well, USC isn't near as physical as any SEC team, or mainly an SEC West team. And an SEC West team like Ole Miss that runs the ball real well. That'll be a fun game. You got A&M at Miami, which I want to be a good game. I think a and going to beat them pretty good, though, because and I know A&M played New Mexico, but their offense looked really good under Bobby Petrino, and it looks like he's calling the plays. I really hope that's not the case. I hope Miami can tone it back or tone my expectations back a little bit. But I'm never really scared of A&M, but after seeing what their offense did, kind of worried. Who knows? But on the topic of Miami, it's really a shame to see how far Miami has fallen because – Obviously, you got the U1, the U Part 2, the ESPN documentaries, and then, you know, at some points, even in the, you know, mid-2000, like, 2015, 2016, you know, you had some good Miami teams in there, but you look at pictures of their game days and no one goes to the games. Seems like they're always cycling coaches in and out of there. I mean... Good Lord. I mean, it's hard to get four- and five-star recruits in there now just because they're getting poached by Georgia, by Florida, Florida State, and that used to not be the case with Miami. It used to be that if there was a good recruit within the state of Miami, almost like they had a picket fence around the entire state. But moving on, we got SMU at OU. OU absolutely dismantled Arkansas State this weekend. My word, like 73-0. to zero. That was disgusting. Oregon at Texas Tech. Red Raiders trying to bounce back from getting – shocked by Wyoming at Wyoming. Did not think that game would be close. Thought the Raiders would blow them out, but it's college football early in the season, so who knows? Pretty unpredictable. Arizona at Mississippi State. I think Mississippi State's going to blow them out. Then you got Auburn at Cal and some late night Pac-12 action. That's going to be good. Auburn looked pretty good. They run a two-quarterback system. They play the Peyton Thorne, or they start the Peyton Thorne kid for Michigan State, and then They'll bring in the Robbie Ashford kid on the goal line and run with him a bunch. I think he had like three or four rushing touchdowns the other day. But recapping some week one of college football. I mean, Colorado just absolutely did what no one expected. Being 21-point dogs, walking into TCU, hanging 45 on them, winning by three. I mean, Coach Prime, you got to tip your hat to him. Colorado's had one winning season the past 17 years. And I know he's only coached one game. I know he's only coached one game. But depending on how he does as a head coach in the game of college football, he could very much write the greatest American sports story of all time, being the two-sport amazing athlete he was, being one of the best cover corners, if not the best corner to ever play the game of football, You know, also playing some offense, and then casually as a side hobby, was a damn good baseball player. Hit 535 in the World Series one year. Hit 260 for a career average. I mean, the guy's a absolutely ridiculous athlete. So, it, I mean, everyone saw it. Colorado offense looked amazing. Dylan Edwards, true freshman, had four touchdowns. Shadur Sanders, any question marks on that kid? Those got answered. That, that kid is a pure thrower of the football. And showed a lot of poise, a lot of discipline would go through his progressions, make tough throws, was standing there and get hit. Very rarely was he rushed outside the pocket. And 
I mean, I know I talked about the Mississippi State example earlier with us beating Mississippi State and how I'm relating that to Nebraska at Colorado, but there's already being threads created on 24-7 by LSU folks and, you know, Clemson even put one up of Dewey hire Deion Sanders. Someone said today on Twitter, should Deion Sanders be the successor of Nick Saban? I think everyone's overreacting just a little bit, but... Regardless, you got to tip your hat to the guy who coached a hell of a game. They still gave it 42 points, though, and over 500 yards of total offense, TCU. TCU had every opportunity to win that football game. Missing kicks, throwing two picks in the end zone. But a guy who I want to talk about is Travis Hunter. I knew he was the number one athlete in the country coming out of high school, but I did not realize he was that good. Because sometimes you get those number one athletes, number one players in the country, they'll play one side of the ball. You know, they're most of the time they're pretty good, but you never know. We haven't seen a two-way guy that I – I haven't seen a two-way guy in college football since maybe a Dory Jackson from USC. And even then, he barely, barely played offense. Travis Hunter played 110 snaps the other day. He played every single snap of the football game, except for maybe a handful of plays. Guy's arguably one of the top corners in the country, and some of the contested catches he was making were unbelievable. There was a touchdown catch he had that got ruled incomplete, but he, I mean, went up against TCU's top corner, who, guy who will probably be a, his last name's Newton, I believe, will probably be a first-round draft pick, just mossed him. It was rude. I mean, he's probably, since I can remember, the best two-way player I've ever seen play in the game of college football in my lifetime. I don't really remember a whole lot of Charles. I mean, I don't even know if I was alive when Charles Woodson was playing. But who knows? I mean, he's the first. Speaking of Charles Woodson, he's the first player since Charles Woodson to have an interception and over a hundred yards receiving with a touchdown in the same game. It's pretty impressive, and he did it at arguably the biggest stage of the weekend. I'm surprised that game wasn't game day. If I'm being completely honest, I thought it should have been game day. Made a lot of sense. North Carolina, South Carolina. I don't get the hype behind that. But moving on for Colorado. Is LSU overrated? That's a question a lot of people are asking right now. Brian Kelly, some funny comments, said, we aren't the team we thought we were. We walked out there thinking we were the two-time defending national champion Georgia Bulldogs, and they kind of did. And hats off to Florida State. I mean, Florida State's a good football team. I didn't realize they'd be as physical as they were, but holy smokes. That team is big. They're fast. I saw everyone putting them in their college football playoff. And they won 10 games last year. In 2021, they only won five games. So some people are thinking last year might have been a fluke, but they returned everyone. They added Jaheim Bell. They added that Coleman kid from Michigan State who was also a bucket. And they flat out bullied LSU, especially in the second half. The reason why I think Jaden Daniels could be a little bit overrated, and people can say this is a really hot take, the guy can't throw the football. Against Arkansas, the worst pass defense in the country last year, in Power 5, maybe maybe even FCS, he threw for like 65 yards with one pick. And honestly, he hurt Alabama with his feet. He's a great runner of the football. No one's doubting that. The guy can't really throw the football. He can't make tough throws. And I really think that LSU wouldn't have the hype that they have this year if they didn't beat Alabama last year. Or, uh, sorry, I don't think they would have the hype that they do this year 
if they hadn't beat Alabama last year. I, re- I really think that. Just because they beat Bama is why they have the hype. They got dog-walked by AM last year. They got dog-walked by Georgia. They got smoked by Tennessee. Any good team they played outside of Alabama, they got they got beat by badly. And AM was bad at football last year. I've kind of been on the same train that Jaden Daniels is a little bit overrated as some people, but he really got exposed the other night. They just put a spy on him, were able to get to him. That guy can't make throws off his back foot to save his life. I know a lot of quarterbacks can't, but his his turnovers were bad, and their execution inside the red zone was also bad. Another thing that I don't understand what LSU or why LSU did it is using Harold Perkins as a spy. I understand the dude is a freakishly good defensive player. Everyone knows that. He single-handedly beat Arkansas last year, having the flu as a true freshman. He was able to run down Malik Hornsby, and not a lot of people can do that. And Travis Hunter, or not Travis Hunter, Jordan Travis was able to sit back in the backfield, sit in the pocket for Florida State, and make throw after throw after throw, because LSU wasn't using arguably the best edge rusher in the country and Harold Perkins. They basically took their best defensive player out of the game themselves, which is comical to me. They also had a guy, number 22, kind of looked like a liability to me. Greg Brooks played well. God, I still wish we had that guy. I still think LSU has a lot of time to figure it out. They did this same crap last year. Granted, it wasn't near as embarrassing, but Brian Kelly is known for calling out his team and calling out players, and he seems to get the best out of them. I hope they don't figure things out by week four. I really, I really hope, you know, I hope they figure things out by week five. That'd be great. That'd be okay with me. But I know we talked about Baylor losing earlier. We talked about Clemson getting dog stomped, Texas Tech going down. Clemson, I don't know why you let Chad Morris back in the building. I really don't. As soon as he walks back in the building, your offense goes to complete dog shit. Excuse my language. But DJ Ukulele, or however the crap you say his last name, people thought he was the problem with their offense not being able to generate you know, what they had been in the past. Well, they bring in the K. Klupnik kid, have a new offensive coordinator from TCU who was a great offensive coordinator last year, they bring Clown Morse in the building, and the curse still stands. The guy ruins literally everything he puts his hands on. Probably the worst football coach ever in the SEC's entirety. How do you go to Allen High School and screw things up? How? Get the best athletes in the state of Texas, you still screw it up. I'd go down a rabbit hole talking about this guy. but So I know at the transfer portal there was a lot of different Razorback players or former Razorback players playing on other teams, and three of them were playing in the TCU Colorado game. Warren Thompson started at receiver for TCU, and just like Warren Thompson normally does, he was pretty non-existent. Had about two catches and two holding calls. Guy came out of the womb holding people, and then Miles Slusher played very well. Figured he'd probably start at Colorado. Jordan Dominic. Didn't start, but he played a ton. Him and Slusher basically made the game-winning play for Colorado. Dominic got some pressure on Chandler Morris. Chandler Morris had to check down. Slusher made the tackle on on TCU's tight end before 
the line to gain. It was fourth to nine. I think tackled him five yards short of the line to gain. But just some other hogs. Jalen Catalan for Texas, guy didn't really play a whole lot. I still think is hurt, surprisingly, to everyone. Keetron Jackson played a little bit for Baylor. Whenever he did play, though, he seemed to be pretty productive. I think I really, really wanted Keetron to be good at Arkansas. I really wanted him to be good. But I think a school like Baylor would probably be good for him. Not as not as tough a defense as you're playing against in the Big 12, and I think he could you – know, once he gets on the field, he can make some things happen. I don't know on the season, but then you got Malik Hornsby. He transfers to Texas State. And I personally thought this this is perfect. He'll he'll walk in the Sun Belt. He'll be able to run away from everyone. Guy's going to dominate. And he had the job locked up until about June when T.J. Finley, the transfer from – or the LSU transfer – or he was at LSU transferred to Auburn and then transferred away from Auburn to Texas State. That dude saw, hmm, Malik Hornsby's got the job. I'm going to go win that. Won it pretty quickly, and that dude balled out on Saturday – when I saw that Texas State had beat Baylor, I immediately opened my phone, opened the box, scored, hopefully see Malik Hornsby put up some good numbers. Guy didn't step on the field one time. It's probably – I mean, I don't know. That guy needs to legitimately consider making a position change because he's got speed that not a lot of people possess, but he can't find him – he can't get on the field as a quarterback. He really can't. All right, so that wraps wraps it up for the week one recap. I know we didn't talk about the Hogs a lot, but we'll get to that in a second. All righty, so now to what everyone wants to hear our Arkansas Razorback topics. I won't go super in-depth to the game Saturday because it was pure domination, which I loved. But as of the time of making this podcast, apparently we're – Rashad DeBinion and Rocket Sanders are hurt. And they both have rib injuries. To the severity of those injuries or how long it's going to keep them out, I don't know. But it seems like we can't really have nice things. I saw something about two to four weeks, but I'm not going to believe anything until Biddy or you know the team comes out and confirms it. But I'm glad we got a loaded running back room. But this is the perfect time for guys like Dominique Johnson, A.J. Green, Isaiah Augustave, this is their time. And especially a guy like Dominic Johnson, this is your last shot. Make the most of it. I really hope they can, and I really hope that Rocket and Dominion can get healthy before we play LSU. And I know people are going to talk about BYU, but we'll get to them next week. But pivoting to the game Saturday, the Arkansas wide receivers, I'd say a lot of people would consider them a question mark going into Saturday, but that question seems to be answered. Andrew Armstrong, Isaiah Tesla, or Isaiah Tesla, Jaden Wilson, Isaiah Satania, Tyrone Bolden, that crew, but mainly the first three I mentioned, Tesla, Armstrong, and Wilson, all three of them had three or more catches, all three of them had 60-plus yards receiving, and all three of them scored. I think the exact numbers when Andrew Armstrong had five catches, Tesla had three, Jaden had three. So that's 11, yeah, 11 completions for well over, or at least 183 yards, or 180 yards and three touchdowns between those guys, which is called math. But Isaiah Satania, guy didn't do a whole lot, which 
You know, it's the first game of the year. He showed some promise in the return game, though, what pretty shifty. Reminded me a little bit of number three back there, Joe Adams, with how he could how much make people miss. I like guys like that. He's electric when he gets football. Run game was slow. I think we all know that. And Trey Biddy talked about this on the walk and talk. Sometimes there's FCS teams whenever they play Power 5 teams. If they're not going to win the game, they want to win at least one thing, and that could be a game plan that they want to execute. I guarantee you Western Carolina, you know, knowing how well we run the football, just said we're going to stack the box and we're going to stop the run. We're going to make K.J. Jefferson beat us with his arm. And, you know, K.J. can sling that thing. So, obviously, we did what we wanted to wanted to, to him through the air. And, but you know, it could be a combination of a multitude of things. You know, we had brand-new offensive line. Brady Latham, or it was either Bo Limmer or Brady Latham didn't play. Tykes Crawford had to play guard at the last second. West Carolina loaded the box, like I said. It's the first game of the year. We got 11 more of them to go, 11 more guaranteed games to go. So I really think they'll figure it out. I do love a lot of the different formations we ran. We ran a lot of pistol. We ran an I formation. First time I've seen Arkansas run an I formation since Bielma. It's like six years, five or six years. It's absolutely beautiful. With Dominique Johnson at fullback, that dude pile drove the middle linebacker for Western Carolina. Pile drove him. I mean, yeah, I can get behind that all day long. I'm all about that. Love the multitude of looks we're throwing at people. And then how about Lucas first catch of the game? We go tempo, line it up real quick, hit Jaden Wilson on a bubble route. Isaiah Tesla with a great block. He goes 65 yards to the barn. Absolutely loved that. Loved what I saw out of the offense. Loved what I saw out of the offense. A lot of people were talking about the K.J. Jefferson rushing touchdown looked really funny. And yeah, it did. But if you go back and look at the replay, that was the best our offensive line blocked on the run play all day. Because Dominic Johnson just tried to hold on. the. I mean, the exchange was bad between K.J. and Dominic. Because that was clearly a read option. The hole that was in front that K.J. ran through, you could drive a Mack truck through. That was for Dominique. However, in an RPO... Down set hut, KJ opens his body up to the defensive end to hand the ball off. That's who he's reading. Because on an RPO, one defensive end's not going to get blocked. It's the one the quarterback is facing because quarterback is reading that defensive end. If the defensive end crashes on the running back, which is exactly what happened, he pulls it and runs. He could either run off tackle or he could just run where the defense gives him, which happened to be right up the middle. But if that defensive end stays put he's going to give it to the running back but the exchange was bad and KJ made the right read and pulled it and just I mean he could have walked into the end zone that was perfectly blocked by the by the offensive line perfectly blocked just a bad exchange moving to the defensive side of the football I thought the defense played pretty well I really did we did exactly what I thought we would do we forced turnovers we ran a lot of man yeah we get you know there was a couple Chunk plays we gave up, but nothing that hurt us really bad. And if anyone says it's because we put an FCS team, that team had the fifth best, like we talked about in last week's pod, they had the fifth best offense in all of FCS last year. And they returned everyone and added some really good transfers. They had a much better offense than Missouri State's offense last year. And Missouri State threw for like 360 yards on us, had over 400 yards total offense, and scored – 
almost 30 points on us. This team had played their starters the whole game and only put 13. That was the most turnover. I think we forced five turnovers. Yeah, five turnovers. That was the most turnovers we forced in the game since Ole Miss in 2020 when Matt Corral threw half a dozen. And I know the defensive people are going to look at the defensive line and say they didn't get, you know, we didn't have a ton of sacks, which we didn't. I don't even know if we have more than one. But we forced a lot of pressure. Their running game was also non-existent because we had guys in the backfield every play. The line, the defensive line group we have now is so deep. It is so deep. We could throw numerous guys out there, and we have some tanks in the middle, some absolute tanks in the middle. Look at all the picks that Western Carolina threw. Yes, a part of them was great coverage, but you can easily overcompensate bad coverage with a good pass rush. Almost every single interception they threw – the quarterback was thrown off his back foot or had a hand in his face. And he was sailing guys. We were jumping routes. It was money. It's perfect. We had a pick six. I don't think we had a pick six all of last year. I really don't. I can't think of the last time we had a pick six. I really can't. I mean, obviously, we had them in 2020. I can't remember the last time we, we had a pick six. I really can't. But Brad Spence took that one 80-something yards to the barn the other day. That kid's going to be good. Big size freshman can run. Yeah, we got some depth. We got some depth at linebacker too, some sneaky depth. Two guys that really stood out to me on the defense side of the football, Jaden Johnson and Jaheim Thomas. The way Jaden Johnson played on Saturday was exactly the step of improvement I expected him to take last year. Just speaks volumes to how good of a coach Marcus Woodson is defensively. He was making all the right reads. Jaden Johnson is a big, big safety. He can hit people. He was making great open field tackles the other day. I mean, that forced fumble he had, he lit that dude up. Jaheim Thomas transferred from Cincy at linebacker. That dude played very, very well. He's going to be – I think he's going to be the other starting linebacker outside of – I think he's going. I think he's a better linebacker than Jordan Crook. And off the top of my head, we got five linebackers we could play, all in healthy. Poopal, Jaheim Thomas – Antonio Greer when he's back, Jordan Crook, and Brad Spence. I think Brad Spence played well enough to get in the rotation. But for a four-two-five defense, having five linebackers you can rotate out there, I think that's pretty good. That's more than we expected. And I know it's the first game and whatnot. And I'm getting I'm probably, you know, drinking the Kool-Aid, but that's what we do here. So I know just with the the linebacker approach, it seems that Travis Williams is taking. He's using more of a modern style of linebacker play from that differs from you know a downhill emphasis with linebackers. How you always hear coaches preach linebackers got to be downhill, downhill, downhill. Travis Williams preaches sideline to sideline. So obviously the middle linebacker's job, as we all know, primarily is to play downhill. But for the other backers, you know you you think about how spread offenses operate nowadays and how integrated their motion is. You need linebackers that can play sideline to sideline primarily, which means a lot more speed. Speed the better. Speed kills. And this linebacker group's got a ton of it, and we're bigger than we have been before, which I think is going to help us well in the conference playing later on in the year. The one downside to the linebacker group is that Paul tried to decapitate someone the other day, got a targeting call, and he's going to miss the first half of the Kent State game. 
another plus, probably the last plus, Max Fletcher punted the ball more than 20 yards. Out of all the shit that went on on Saturday, Max Fletcher, Max Fletcher finally figured out how to punt the ball. It only took him 20 years of his life. I hope I'm not speaking too far into the future. But, God, I threw my hands up in praise and thanks that that brother finally punted the ball farther than 25 yards. Beautiful thing to see. All right, the last thing we're going to get to this week, like I said, we're not going to preview Kent State. They got murdered by UCF, scored three points, and I hope we can do the same, especially being first home game back Fayetteville. Got the mailbag. Mailbag was a little thin this week, but that's okay. We'll take it. Open field tackles are still a problem. I didn't think they were a problem on Saturday. Everyone's going to – I mean, we're – we can't make every tackle in the open field. I just want to minimize the ones we miss. Over, under, five and a half wins for your fantasy team. I don't know how many games my fantasy team is going to win this year, but I, knew, I do know that I've won three titles. That isn't by mistake. What team was I most happy to see get upset this week? Ooh, what team was I happy to see? Or what team was I most happy to see get upset this week? Probably LSU. Because all offseason we heard, oh, I got LSU to win the national title, LSU this, LSU that. Uh, it was kind of nice to see LSU get their ass whooped. And just to kind of put things into reality for folks that thought LSU was, that thought they hung the moon. What team outside of SEC, outside of SEC, do I think is equal to Arkansas this year? I don't know, it's a tough question. That's a really tough question. I don't, I, I don't even know how to answer that. What team is? What team are we equal to? What team are we equal to that's outside of the SEC? I have no clue. I really don't. I I don't even know how to answer that question. What team outside of the SEC do I think is equal to Arkansas this year? Um, going through these teams, I don't really know. I I, I don't know enough about other teams to really answer that question, but what team am I most scared to play of outside of Alabama? It was LSU at LSU. Probably probably still is LSU at LSU. Actually, because I had them as as us losing them already, I'm probably going to say A&M as much as it pains me. I'm kind of – I'm most scared to play A&M. Because I I would like for that game to be a W. The ball just has to bounce our way. It hasn't bounced our way in that game way too many times, and it has to. But if they if Jimbo lets by Petrino call plays with the athletes they got and the returner at quarterback, they could be a problem. But who knows? I hope I'm wrong. I really do. Is Dion to Arkansas a realistic two year plan? I hope it's not. But even if the case were to present itself, Arkansas needed a coach after two years. I don't think Dion is. I don't think Dion want the Arkansas job. I, actually, I don't know. A lot of people don't know this. Hunter Yurchek and Dion Sanders are great friends, great friends. And he was interviewed for the Arkansas job when we were in the process of hiring Pittman. And that wasn't that far outside of the realm of possibility of him being our coach currently. I'm glad obviously I'm glad we have Pittman, very glad we have Pittman because we didn't know how good of a coach Dion was going to be. He hadn't coached at a HBCU yet. 
So who knows? His only experience was high school at that point. But we also got to see more than you know one game Prime's coach in the Power 5 level. And they don't have an easy schedule coming up. At, or they got Nebraska at home, then they got at USC, then they got Oregon at home. If you were to bet the over-under for Colorado wins this year, all the the only amount of games you need them to win was four, which is pretty wild to me. But, no, Deion Sanders to Arkansas is not a realistic plan in two years. Last question of the pod, how good is Kent State? To be honest, they're not very good. Like I talked about earlier, scored three points last week. I think they got 50-plus hung on them. But the main thing I, I want to see is just improvement in the offensive line, improvement or improvement in our rushing attack, get some sacks out of our defensive line, and I want to see Landon Jackson step up and play well. All offseason, we're, we're, he he got hyped up of guy. He's up to two eighty three now. The guy's a freak of nature. You know, he's a five star athlete. Finally, starting to look like one. Well, show us. Start talking the or start walking the walk. We've heard the talk. Need it to happen. I just want to avoid the injury bug on Saturday as well. And, yeah, that's all I'm really looking for for Saturday. I just want to dub. I want to see a similar result that we saw this past weekend. Get ready for BYU. Hopefully the next time I see you guys, Hogs will be 2-0 and going into BYU. And happy NFL Red Zone Sunday, boys.